Hello, and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles Fearless Records' Punk Goes Ellipses series. And we ask... Ask. It was a combination between ask and answer, so it came (laughs) out as ask. Ask. Ask to ask. No. That's that's what our advice podcast can be called. No, absolutely not. (laughs) Where we we answer the age-old question, hell yeah or yeah nah? That we do. I'm going to give a hell yeah to that new necklace that you've got. It's, It's weird seeing you wearing a necklace. I know. I'm trying something new. I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw a necklace that has a pendant shaped like a sword. And I was just like, you know what? I need a sword. <laughs> like, even if it's a three centimetre long sword, I need one. Um, well, you know, to fight off any, you know, ants or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love, like, in theory, I love necklaces, but I just get lazy because I hate, like, having to take jewellery on and off when I shower, that sort of thing. But then, like, yeah, I just need to get used to just wearing jewellery more often. Because it's, yeah. Sorry, I'm trailing off real bad. But um, needless to say, I love my sword. We're recording this on the day that we release. So Mm. it'll probably, I'll do a really rushed edit and get it out tonight. Oh man, Um, this isn't going to be one of our good episodes, is it? It's also swampy out there today. It's very humid and it's just the kind of heat and humidity that like i'm feeling it in my bones like i am Mm. dog tired like Mm. yeah i could honestly just curl up on the floor and sleep once we're done what is it about the wet heat that just makes you just so tired we're so old it's not the heat that gets you it's the humidity but it really is depends though because i think i think my dad who's old as sin is (laughs) jesus he loves he loves the dry heat yeah. No, he loves the wet heat, I'm pretty sure. I'll get that Yeah, door. that's why That's why they, they've taken numerous trips up to Cairns. Because that's oh. all it is, is just wet heat up there. That just makes me want to cry. Yeah. Like, I can do dry heat. Like, I feel surprisingly alive when it's yeah. a dry sort of warmth. But, my God. Yeah, no, nah, I'm pretty sure they love the wet heat. I... Nah. You're yeah. obviously adopted. Yeah, I think so. No, I mean, <laughs> n- neither none of us look alike in my family. Yes, so. you do. Who do I look like, though? We can take this conversation offline. Wow. What? We have a podcast to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have a topic. We're not just sitting here recording our conversation for posterity. Well, we do have a topic this week. and as it is, we do uh, every week, yes. Yes, as we do every week. Uh, this week is an acoustic cover. Uh, it's... The Atari's 8 of 9, originally from their 2003 album So Long Astoria, and this was then covered for Punk Goes Acoustic 1, which I think was the same year, 2003, 2004. Oh, okay. Um, We're also, because we've done an Atari's cover before, because we're not really going to have too much information, we're also going to talk about, you know, their possibly their biggest song, which was a cover song, yeah. The Boys of Summer by originally by Don Henley, again on their two thousand and three album So Long Astoria. Yeah. So I guess um I mean my tummies are rumbling. I wouldn't mind uh getting started on dinner. <laughs> so, oh my god. <laughs> so uh Times are wasting. Fucking let's do this. I, it's one of those things like when I know that I'm making nachos <laughs> the minute I wake up, I'm just looking forward to dinner. Time. I know nachos are wonderful. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking forward to making those nachos, those those chos all day. Oh. <laughs> get a, gonna 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 uh, gonna hit the uh, frying pan and uh, yeah, gonna gonna make a mean show tonight. Fuck. Even fucking Stewie might come back for seconds. That's an uh... inside joke. This podcast is cooked. <laughs> Which um, is what I'll be doing in about an no. hour. All right. For so, fuck's sake. All right. Let's, let's talk get about into, the Ataris, let's please. Let's get into Eight of Nine. When half of all your prayers are insincere, the other half are lies. Hey. 
So yeah, as we said, we've we've already talked about the Ataris, you know, formed in India, Indianapolis, Indiana, um, in I think ninety six, ninety seven. They their lead singer Chris Rowe, Mm -hmm. I believe that's his name, approached um, uh, approached the dude from the Vandals who ran Kung Fu Records. Yeah, they were on tour with the Offspring. Okay, and gave him a tape, and that's how they sort of got started then they signed to columbia records yep um i am just taking all of this at face value so i'm sure you're correct but um yeah yeah no i was because we had initially thought i'll do a do a review of so long astoria Mm. decided against it because it's like i can't really be into doing a whole album yep um but yeah so i did a bit of research and also watched a documentary on there it was like they did a reunion of the of that lineup. Yep. In twenty fifteen, they do not look like they used to. Really? Yeah, I, I get the feeling they were kind of old. Yeah, I think that's what I. Before I go any further, shout out to fellow Indianapolis, Indiana musician Jordan Banks, aka Era Jordan. It, it was his birthday last week. It was. Yes. Happy birthday to you, Jordan. You look shocked. No, I... I don't... I was... I just... It uh, was? It was. So, and I also received a wonderful little parcel from Jordan a couple of weeks back with some Era Jordan merch. Yeah. And it was great. So, hello, Jordan, and happy birthday. And congratulations for getting fully vaccinated as well. I am watching all of my US friends get fully vaccinated, and I'm simultaneously stoked and jealous. Yeah. But also, I don't work in healthcare, so it's like... Yeah, we're not essential. No. No. I am the least essential person. Anyway, um, so, shit. Well, yeah, so, the Ataris, like, I think that's why I never fully got into them, and we'll get into a little later on in terms of, like, not engaging beyond Boys of Summer. Mm-hmm. But I think I didn't get into them because they did seem older at the time. And it's... Yeah, I guess let's get into our thoughts on the band, I guess. Um, I don't have many. Like, So Long Astoria, I think I've listened through it once or twice. Just, And again, that was a very conscious decision. Like, I don't know anything about these guys. Mm. Boys of Summer slaps. Let's do this. Yeah. And that's it. I, I've never known if I like this band or not. I've never known if this band works for me, and it's only kind of just hit me today. I was going on a big walk, and I was listening to some of their stuff, and it's finally dawned on me, they feel like an industry plant. Oh! So they were, yeah, Columbia Records, which is Sony Music. Yeah, it's pretty major for like Um, a... Wouldn't be a podcast episode if if your phone didn't go. Off. Fucking sorry, my f- my. Phone, I say that with endearment. My phone is chewing through data at the moment, and I just don't know what to do. I spent like fifty bucks on extra data last month, and I have no idea why. So yeah, must be. No, I'm just gonna make a joke about. <laughs> just like no, it's not even funny. <laughs> um. So, anyway, I'm feeling very let down by Optus, if you're listening, Optus. Um, yeah, industry plant. Yeah, okay. it feels to me like, an, they feel like an industry plant. Like, they feel like they started off as like, and I know that that's not how it started off for them, but like, to me, it wouldn't surprise me if they started off as like a general rock band, but there were general rock bands were a dime a dozen and Columbia Records was like, well, this pop punk thing is taking off. Yeah. Why don't you skew more towards that? And it just felt like... Because, I mean, everything about So Long Astoria, and even reading into it confirms this for me, is it's all about nostalgia, but it's all about nostalgia from, like, 
the 70s and 80s. So yeah. even their name is a video game console from the early 80s. Yeah. Um, late 70s, early 80s, and the Atari. Um, so long a story or as a reference to the Goonies. Like, I think, like, just skim reading their Wikipedia article just to get back up to scratch with them. So just to clarify, they're from Anderson, Indiana. Um, but that's fine. Sorry. <laughs> Fake news. Um, but, like, it looks as if... So they were originally signed to Kung Fu Records, and yep. then their contract expired, hence why they moved on to Columbia. I think it was in Indianapolis where they met. Yeah. Where Chris Rowe met... Um, I can't remember his name from the Vandals. Joe Escalante. Joe Escalante. Um, I guess that in itself, it, it feels planty, but I... I think it's, again, just, it's who you know. Like, yeah. they're sort of the music industry equivalent of, I don't know, going to a private school and working in a big four company kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think, because hang on, I just want to, just but for a thought experiment. It just, it definitely has a different feel to it than, you know, bands that were signed to, to Epitaph and... That was more a metal label, but like bands that were signed to Victory and um, yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I'm blanking on other on other labels that had like the pop punk emo scene bands, but yeah, well, Fearless. <laughs> yeah, Fearless Records. There you go. Hey. <laughs> so yeah, Chris Rowe is 44. So like, he's not super old. No, that isn't that isn't super old. Um, because I guess, like, even the newfound glory dudes are around about that age. But, yeah, I guess that in itself, it sort of feels slightly anachronistic that they're singing about such nostalgic stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because it felt like... Because it felt like the pop-punk bands at the same time were singing about what's relevant now. What's relevant for 2003. Whereas they were singing about what was... Again, it's so much about, like, looking back into the past about mm. like you know in this in this diary like the chorus is like the line is being grown up isn't half as fun as growing up these are the best days of our lives like let's be kids again like, yeah but being kids at that time was being a kid in you know yeah the early 80s yeah so i'm just Okay, so, like, for instance, if you go on Spotify, and not that this means much, but yeah, it says, like, fans also like, and yeah, like, it's looking at the contemporaries, it's like Phoenix, Texas, Homegrown, I don't think I've heard of them, but then Rufio, Mest, Alistair, Unwritten Law, Newfound Glory, Midtown, Sugar Colt, MXPX, Boxcar, Slick Shoes, like, yeah, it feels like they sort of age themselves out of... Mm. They're peers for some reason. But I, yeah, I think we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. I wonder if, should we backtrack and talk about the song, Eight of Nine? Yeah. Um, so, well, I guess, yeah, we, are we going to talk more about, should we talk, ugh, I don't know how to do this. Let's just talk about Eight of Nine, the original. That's a good from idea. From So Long Astoria. What do you think of it? Uh, I've already forgotten it. Yeah. Yeah. I've listened to this song a lot over the last week. Um, The only part I can really picture in my head is the start and the the she's on her eight of nine. Yeah. Which, what does that mean? Is it eight of nine lives? Is it... I sort of pictured like, and again, it's sort of... It feels very thrown together, like everything about this song... So yeah, it feels like this song kind of feels pieced together. So like, the way I read it was like, El Corazon was poisoned tonight, she's on her eight of nine. Like, El Corazon refers to the heart. So like, to me I sort of picture like the concept of like a heart having nine lives, like a series of heartbreaks maybe like Yeah, and that's yeah, of course not the literal sense of the heart, it's like heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. or just setbacks like yeah major blows in life i guess yeah it doesn't necessarily need to be heartbreak in the sense of someone's left you but it can be yeah like disappointment yeah 
like a person dying or, you know, not getting the job that you wanted or something. Yeah. yeah. But again, like, it feels very sort of mishmashy. Yeah. And then, like, it doesn't seem to have a traditional kind of structure. Like, it isn't, like, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, yeah. verse, chorus. So, yeah, it's just completely disappeared from my head. And then the outro, I don't know if you remember the outro. Oh, I hate it. The meanders. Yeah. It, like, it just, it takes forever to just move on. Like, yeah. get, get over yourself. And then, like... I don't know. And, like, at the end of the original version, like, the radio voice, like, the sort of... Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> oh, no, that's at the start, yeah. No, it's not. It's no? at the end. That's at the end. No, yeah, because yeah, the, the start sort of sounds like it's in a bus stop, train station. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't quite get it. But, yeah, like, it just... The end just... Yeah, as I said, it meanders. It's, it, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't work... In my opinion. Yeah. Um, and it's just... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just, it's it's still that sort of feeling like... I still just don't know if I like this band or not. And I don't know if I'll ever... Definitively have an answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to find... Like, surely someone has figured out what... The radio bit at the end is saying. But it's just... Mm. I guess it would have to be, yeah, because I, I know they were popular enough, the Ataris, but it's like that thing, that bit at the end of the vampires will never hurt you, the whispering part, yeah. and I always ask you when it plays, like, what are they saying again? Which, and, yeah, they do have that transcribed at some point. But that's but because I'm... it's My Chemical Romance, and My yeah. Chemical Romance are huge. I don't know. Deservedly so. Maybe if we look at songmeanings.com, which I used to refer to, did you ever visit songmeanings? That used to be, like, one of my key websites when I was a kid, to look up lyrics and, like, see what other people had interpreted them as. No, I definitely looked at lyrics a lot. Yeah. I would definitely, um, I would definitely, yeah, find a song and, and go through the lyrics. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I was so fascinated with lyrics back then, but, yeah, it was lyrics and tabs. Yeah. With a trifecta for me. Yeah. 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 God. And and it would be really annoying when you'd find someone who was who like if I found someone that was really good and they were just slightly too not underground but too unknown to not have guitar tabs mm. on the internet. Yep. You'd have to like go to a music teacher or something and be like, Can you uh can you like figure this out? Because <laughs> like, I can't figure this out. I feel like the internet was a well it was, but it also like just in terms of general sentiment, like it was just such a simple thing when we were younger. I just, I'd probably be dead by now if I was a teenager, just with all the content. Like, I literally visited like the same five websites or something when I was a teen. Well, like, remember how difficult it was to just get on to the True, internet. True, yeah. It's, yeah, when you consider like how difficult it was to get on the internet, and you sort of. You picked your time pretty wisely. And at any moment... Because at any moment, your mum might need the phone. <laughs> now we're starting to sound like the Ataris. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can remember, like... My brother didn't really care about the internet, but he always talked to girls on the phone. <laughs> so it was like trying to, trying to like, battle him in, like, time for the, the, the internet. That's very cute. I'm picturing, like, Anthony... Like, current Anthony's voice, just on a teenage version of Anthony. Like, how you going? <laughs> yeah, I don't think much really changed. <laughs> except he was, it was just higher. Yeah. Because like, he, went, he went through... I went through puberty at a pretty early age. He did not. Oh, really? Yeah, he. I think he was like 14 or 15 when it sort of, <laughs> like, properly hit him. Oh, no. I hope he doesn't mind us saying that on the podcast. Um, You'd have to listen to find out. That's true. <laughs> In this desert, they're reciting my last rites. The smell of these halls brings temporary comfort as oxygen flows through my blood. El Corazon was poisoned tonight. 
She's on her eight of nine When half of all your prayers are insincere The other half are lies So, do you think that the acoustic version of Eight of Nine that they did for Punk Goes Acoustic, just to tie everything up neatly, do you think it helped? Like, does it improve it? Does it not make much of a difference? Like, I actually think it improves it. Yeah, I think it, I agree. I think this song is better suited as an acoustic song. Yeah. Um, takes a, And you can look at the time difference. There's like a minute difference between the two. This goes for like two minutes forty. Yeah. Because it doesn't have that crap at the end. Yeah. It's less meandering as yeah, well. It's... Like, it feels a bit more... Yeah, it's just, it's just punchier. It's... I don't know. Like, he has a really... It's a really interesting voice. Mm. I... I don't know if I necessarily love it, but it's very... I feel like it is very suited for acoustic music. And yeah. I get, and I get the feeling he really likes his acu- ac- acoustic music. Acoustic. Ac- acoustic <laughs> music. Acute acoustic guitar. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting as well that they covered this. Because they already had a cover of uh, another song on the album, The Saddest Song, which I think is already just an acoustic song. Ah. Um, I didn't realise. No, I think, no. No, they did an acoustic cover as like a bonus track. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. I think it's. It is much better than the original. Mm. Yeah, I. Because generally speaking, I tend to find acoustic versions kind of weak, just because yeah. it's it's not as fleshed out, obviously. But yeah, like this, it sort of distilled it down to what it needed to be. Like, and there's just so much superfluous stuff happening yeah. in the album version, I suppose. But... Yeah, it's, it sound, feels almost blasphemous to say, but it doesn't need the full band for this song. No. Um, pretty much, yeah, most of the other songs on that album, I would I would disagree with that sentiment. But this one definitely could just be acoustic. Yeah. And it works better. And especially, like, yeah, like, given the subject matter of it, like, because it's sort of a very, like, I'm at the end, or... Theoretically, like at the end of my life, and yeah, like, this is the, this is the last chance. Yeah, yeah, and like its position in the track sequence of the album, like, yeah, an acoustic or like stripped back version of this on "So Long a Story" would have packed a bit more of a punch, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. I would say you could just listen to this song, and you you get exactly how the original sounds because it doesn't it really doesn't change too much from Mm. it but it just stripping back those elements gives it more weight yeah yeah i agree cool so hell yeah or yeah nah for this song eight of nine uh yeah nah to the original and hell yeah to the cover i'm gonna say (laughs) i think i'm just gonna say yeah nah to both of them yeah Mostly, like, and not in a mean way, but just I'm never going to listen to the acoustic one again. This It's going to be really interesting. I don't think I'm really going to listen to the Ataris ever again after this. That's, yeah. It feels wrong to say that for yeah. some reason. Yeah. because well, cause they are one of the, the like, established bands. They are. Yeah. They were in our time. Like, they, you know, they were popular. And yeah. Yeah, there are definitely plenty of pop punk people that that think the Ataris are great, but mm. it just yeah, again, like I still just cannot tell you whether I like this band or not. Yeah, and the more we talk about Eight of Nine, I'm leaning towards no, I don't particularly <laughs> like this band. I do feel like they were an in industry plant. So let's maybe move on to the Boys of Summer. Excellent. Cool.
Alright, so we're going to give a short biography of Don Henley, the writer of the original Boys of Summer. Mm -hmm. So born in Gilmer, Texas in 1947, Don Henley is a founding member of the band The Eagles, where he performs as co-lead singer and drummer. Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like other drummers that that also became singers. Thinking Phil Phil Collins, Collins, (laughs) Dave Grohl. Oh yeah. Um The drummer from the drummer from Atreyu did the clean singing. Oh that's cool. Yeah. I just I wouldn't I don't know why, but I just would not have like the coordination to do that. It's also it's interesting <laughs> because I know that I'm pretty sure the drummer from From Autumn to Ashes was also the clean I feel singer, like he yeah but he had the headset microphone. Right. So he could do more. Whereas yeah. like yeah, the the drummer from Atreyu had the microphone coming down. <laughs> um I'm pretty sure the drummer I'm pretty sure Don Henley would have the microphone yeah. coming down. Um Yeah, the the band Bellwitch when I saw them. Yep. They're like it's only two people, and it's yeah. Can't remember if it's the drummer that does the growls or the clean singing, but yeah, they both sing. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, but like their music is so slow, it would be, it would be almost impossible to get out of time with, yeah. with that while singing. Yeah. So, yes. So, the Boys of Summer was the lead single from Henley's 1984 album, Building the Perfect Beast. He. Mm-hmm. Yeah, went on a solo run after the Eagles split up in 1980. Yeah. And, yeah, let's get into... What do you think of the original? Uh, I like it. I I have this thing with, like, and in very loose quotes, like, older music, just purely from the production value, it sort of puts me off a bit because mm. it just sounds so flat. Yeah, like, listening to Don Henley today, I was just like, this fucking sucks. Because like, I, I know the Atari's version so much more than this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, listening to it like with headphones and everything on, it was just like, there's so little to this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, like, I think it is just recording techniques have obviously improved and, like, audio quality and, like, things being optimised for streaming as opposed to, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm sure... Literally anyone else could give a better explanation, but it's just, it's a real shame when, like, say if you're listening to a playlist of songs and then it'll switch to something that obviously isn't optimised for, like, the streaming Mm. generation and it just sounds so shit. Yeah. And it's just like, for that, like, I'm sure if you listened to this on vinyl, like, decent volume in a living room, like, it would sound great, but it's just, it sounds tinny and flat. I hate it. I also have forever gotten this and like i have not like it's not like like stays with me but like i have to purposefully think this isn't summer of 69 yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I, I will say i i prefer this over the summer of 69 oh, summer of 69 gives me the shit yeah i don't really I, that's one where and i think this is another one where you would hear it a lot in pubs but yeah. you hear the summer of 69 way too often in pubs I, and yeah. on triple m growing up in Oh, regional Victoria, yeah. yeah. Between that and Eagle Rock and K San and just all the like the Nutbush, <laughs> but yeah, just <laughs> literally every like formal um, oh, debutante yeah. ball, fucking graduation, like literally any social event, you would hear Summer of '69. Yep, and like everyone's slightly pissed and like, like anyway. Um, I have memories of that of it playing at my formal. And <laughs> yeah, just like dudes playing the air guitar during the solo, and it was like, it was no. like we're sixteen and we're, we want to like you know, kiss the girls, and that's not helping. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely prefer Boys of Summer. So like, I really enjoy the song, but again, I just really lament the fact that I've never properly heard like a like high fidelity version of it mm. yeah yeah i i should have probably had a listen to um hotel california oh to, yeah to compare to this i'm kind of like the dude though i kind of can't stand the eagles <laughs> why it's just i don't know like it's just super cheesy but not in the right 
sort of way. And it just, I don't know, I just associate it with like, not even, I don't even think my parents like the Eagles, but like, it's just a sound that's never gelled with me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I, yeah, I'd rather listen to like, again, like the dude, Creedence Clearwater. <laughs> <laughs> Like your mum. Like, yeah, like, like my mum. So, yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts on the Don Henley original. I think, sorry, to go back to it, I think I sort of, in my mind, place Hotel California with Stairway to Heaven. Right. And Stairway to Heaven beats the shit out of Hotel California in my mind. I love Stairway to Heaven. Shit. See, I'm the other way around. Stairway to Heaven annoys the hell out of me. Oh, really? Hotel California. I like that it's a sort of... Just the narrative of it is so interesting. Cause, like, I think they sort of deliberately set out to write about like a nowhere sort of place. Like, yeah. It is interesting. The Hotel yeah. California, like a purgatory almost. Yeah. yeah. Whereas there's just something about Stairway to Heaven. It's just like, oh, fuck's sake. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Whereas, like, the end of Hotel California, like, slaps. Like, do 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 Like, just the guitar solo, like, fading out kind of thing. do 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 Yeah. I like, they go, like, high. Like, yeah. yeah. Whammy bar. Yeah. Can you please, um... Can you please re- repeat that sentiment to my dad? Just, like, send him a text message and just be like, Stairway to Heaven just... Sucks. Is that going to get me disowned from your family? From from dad. Oh, well, then no. Um, D- dad loves his Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> So, yes, as we mentioned before, the like, let's let's not even mince words. Their biggest song was their cover of "Boys of Summer." Yeah. The Ataris. So, shall we backtrack and give a bit of context for the album "So Long Astoria," and then we can scoot on over into talking about "Boys of Summer." Yeah, sure. So, released on the fourth of March in two thousand three. Um, as we said before, the album's title alludes to the nineteen eighty five film "The Goonies," which was set in Astoria, Oregon. Okay. So. Yeah, as as we mentioned before, this album is just nostalgia. Written. Yeah, yeah. The their their key drug was just nostalgia. <laughs> uh, lead vocalist Chris Rowe took inspiration from the book "Go Now" by Richard Hell. Rowe stated there was a chapter where he had a quote that said, "Memories are better than real life." I wanted this record to portray that life is only as good as the memories we make. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like the song "So Long a Story" was about Roe writing songs in his bedroom. Mm. Um, and about the cover of "Boys of Summer," the band didn't intend to release it as a single. This was a result of the radio stations K Rock, R O C K, and K Rock R O Q playing the track with other radio stations following shortly after. Mm. So yeah, I don't know how that works, but basically, turned, they turned it into a radio single. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible, but, like, they're kind of lucky that that happened because that's literally all I know of them. Mm. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. They they were warned by Columbia Records about putting a cover song on their album that the song would be turned into a single. Yeah. But their the album reached number 38 on the ARIA charts and 24 on the US Billboard 200. Um, that's crazy that it came out in 2003. Like, I would have said 2000, 2001, kind of like... Mm. Even 2003, like, that's the year I started high school. Like, that seems way too late for it to have been released. I don't know if I've told the story. I 
purchased this album. It would have probably been 2003 as well. Did you have this album? Yeah, I bought it in, from a Sanity Music in Tasmania. <laughs> that was the same trip where the car got uh, broken into. And... That's right, and they left your mum's Credence tapes. No, they no. left mum's... So all of mum and dad's CDs, because we were doing a drive around Tasmania. Yes. car gets broken into. They left their... Well, I say broken into. They left the, door, the doors unlocked. Um, they left all of their CDs in the car. Mm. I was I would bring my CDs in with me. I don't yeah. know why. I just did. Makes um, sense. And yeah, the only CD that they left was Joe Cocker. That's and right. And Mum was more annoyed over the fact that they left Joe Cocker than they stole everything else. <laughs> and it was it was not a, it was not a good argument between my parents. It was like Dad was understandably upset about this violation of his privacy, you know, privacy and personal space. And Mum's like, they did, they didn't even take Joe Cocker. <laughs> Your mum has her priorities right. <laughs> so yeah, and I remember listening to it at the time, and even then going, not for you. I don't think this is for me. I'd rather listen to to like Rufio and You Found Glory and Alistair. And... It's weird. Like it just sort of. It occupies a weird space where, like... Because, yeah, I've definitely listened to So Long a Story or at least once. Like, a couple mm. of times, I think. And, like, I enjoy it fine, but it just doesn't stick. Yeah. There's just something about it that just slightly misses the mark. I don't know what it is. I think it is just... Yeah, they sort of... Age out of their music unnecessarily. Like, I don't yeah. even know how to put it. Like yeah. we were saying up top of this episode, it's just weird. Like, it feels like a pop-punk album by, like, 35-year-olds. Yeah. Even though, even though they're not that old, but... No. But it, it still feels... Yeah, they still feel like... I guess you could look at it like they were a mat- mature yeah. pop-punk band, but it also translates to kind of a boring pop-punk yeah, band. Yeah, true. Like, that's not what this was. this sort of music was about. Um, Although, in saying that, their cover of Boys of Summer fucking rules. Yes, exactly. I From the album, the only two songs that stick out... Oh, the, the, I can't remember what the opening track is called. That, In This Diary, and um, and this cover are the yep. ones that really stick out to me. Everything else just sort of melts into one. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is... So how we were saying before that the Don Henley cover, cover the Don Henley version has something sort of lacking to it. Yeah. Um, this doesn't. This so good. This hits it right on the mark, and to the point where, as I said, like I know this version better than the original. Oh yeah. I re-listened to the original today and was like, rather, you know. The, Sweet guitars and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff in it. Like, where where is the 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 where is the the big punchy sound that I'm missing? Yeah, yeah. But even like even Chris Rose vocals, like it's uh, it's almost like he has a better better rock voice than Don Henley did. Which I know that you know Don Henley's you know, a lead singer of one of the biggest rock bands in history. But yes, yeah. Well, it's a different brand, I guess. Like, mm. again, it falls into that very sort of... Ugh, i already forgotten the bands that you were equating with. Um... Like Rufio. No, I was talking about the um, Don Henley and the Eagles. Like, Oh, um... Credence? Eh, but like, it's sort of that... Let's have one. Well, it's like boomer music, essentially. Oh, yeah. Like boomer rock, whereas this was... Gen X, millennial rock yeah. kind of thing. Like, it's sort of, there's different vocal, like, styles yeah. inherent in the two, I guess. Um, but yeah, it just... This, to me, is, like, the quintessential, like, pop-punk cover song. Mm. Like, this, to me, would be, like, one of the top ten pop-punk covers of anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, no, hands down. Because it just... I remember it was huge when it came out. And... Yeah... And again, like, because I, just to backtrack a bit, I'm embarrassed to say that I first heard The Boys of Summer. Actually, no, I'm not embarrassed about it at all. Remember DJ Sammy, their cover of yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. That cover fucking rules. We'll put it in. Yes, well. yeah. please do. Yeah. 
loved it. And that only came out in 2002. That, to me... So a year before this version. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, bold move to put it out at all. Like, so close. And I guess maybe that, that could have contributed to why it got picked up as a single. But again, like, out of DJ Sammy and the Ataris, like, the Ataris wins. Yeah. Um... What is yeah. the, what is like the the theme here like with this like sudden resurgence of this song? Yeah. In in the early 2000s, like almost 20 years after it was initially recorded. I don't know. Like 2002. May Yeah, it's part of me like I feel wrong saying it but like so 2002 so like shortly after 2001 so shortly after 9-11 like maybe people sort of clinging to like nostalgia sort of trips like something to feel good from like the fact that life as we knew it had sort of been wrenched away from us kind of thing even though the 80s weren't the best time (laughs) I mean no time no time has been the best time but but again like yeah like it's 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 more comforting to, to look back yeah. when things weren't as fucked. Yeah, yeah. like it sounds... Like, I know that sounds really, like, soapboxy, but, like, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised mm. if there was a real sort of nostalgia trip just in those months or whatever. Yeah. Like, or just, yeah. I don't know. It, And then it's just sort of like a perennial, like, summer song as well. So, like, I guess if... Even if it was just a coincidence, like, it would make sense that they would cling on to something as strongly as this, because, yeah, like, a band could cover this now, and I'd be, like, sick. Like, mm. it's just such a good song. It's, yeah, it's interesting, because it's also, it's also a summer song that's not a, like, cheesy summer song. Yeah. Which I, I, I appreciate. It's like, this is, and again... This cover song is about looking back into the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. I And it's also another thing that I guess kind of ages the band because even though it's a punk band that they talk about, when he has the, the line out on the road again, I saw a black flag sticker on yeah. the Cadillac. It's like, you're also in the early 2000s. You could say something like, I saw a no effects sticker or a Blink-182 sticker on it. Well, in terms of like... Da, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess. But like... Yeah, you could say like Green Day or like yeah, I yeah. saw a Green Day sticker on a Cadillac. That works, um, and that and that makes you go, oh, okay, these guys aren't that old. It's, I guess it's funny. I remember like being a kid and not knowing Black Flag, and then yeah, like when I finally heard about Black Flag, I was like, oh, so like in the song. <laughs> um, but it's it's a cute sort of move to bring this into the present when they did it because yeah the original yeah. being deadhead so in terms of the grateful, grateful dead, dead like it's cute and it's like a fun exercise sort of thing like if someone recorded a version of this in 2021 like what would the slightly vintagey well it would be it would be cute be? to say an atari sticker on a cadillac because they yeah it's, if you're doing a pop punk version or a punk yeah. version, then this is this is the template true so yeah, like I'm looking at not song meanings, my god, genius.com talking about this particular line about the black flag sticker and to quote someone, I can't see the name, sorry buddy. Yeah, the grateful dead were hippies who were against materialism while a Cadillac would represent a symbol of wealth. So someone having a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac would be a hippie who was sold out as they've grown up. Punks would also rebel against materialism and would be more in line with what the Atari's generation would listen to. Slightly wrong, but, mm. like, I guess it's in line in terms of, like, sort of a signal, almost like a virtue signaling thing of, yeah. like, fuck yeah, I listen to Black Flag, I'm so punk. Um, and it's like that thing of, because unless you're super rich, you're not getting, or it's a super duper old car, you're not getting a Cadillac as your first car. Yeah. So but, it's, it's that thing of, like, you would have to work to, to own a Cadillac. So it could also be that thing of, you know, I guess, like the Ataris, nearing 30, but still into punk music. Again, though, like, according to this genius annotator, like, 
having a black flag sticker on a Cadillac represents the same thing, like someone who's grown up and sold out. So in that sense, it makes sense that, like, I don't know, some corporate hack who, as a kid, listened to Black Flag mm. has grown up, and they're still like, oh, but I'm still at, like... Yeah. <laughs> so, like, me getting a My Chemical Romance tattoo. <laughs> 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 Except I don't have heaps of money. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, like, the whole thing of, like, Black Flag being anti-consumerism or anything like their logos, the one of the biggest punk logos. Like, surely they have capitalized off of that. They like, have. You could, you could, you could argue whether or not you think Henry Rollins has sold out. Like, yeah. But at the same time, I don't see it so much as selling out. Like, I remember listening to an interview with him where he he talked about on his old show in the late nineties, early two thousands. He interviewed Christopher Walken, and yeah. they talk about some of the shit movies Christopher Walken's been in. Christopher Walken was like, I just work. Like, I, yeah. I, I believe that you just, you work. I was raised to just work. And Henry Rollins said that was a big thing for him. He's like, I just work. Yeah. Something gets offered to me and I, I look at it and as long as it doesn't go against, like, my morals, I do it. Yeah. And so, like, some of the stuff that he has done has been kind of strange. Like, the friggin' Jack Frost movie. <laughs> where he plays the hockey coach. Yes. And he was also Lady Rainicorns. Um, That's right, he was Lady Rainicorn's dad. dad yeah. I in love Adventure that. Time. That's, that's hilarious. Speaking of the lady who voiced Tree Trunks died recently, oh, which makes me sad. That's sad. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like the more I delve into the black flag sticker on a Cadillac, it, I love the way it rolls off the tongue. Black flag sticker on a Cadillac. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one because it can, can go sort of one of two ways. Like, it's that sort of vintage throwback thing. But again, like, yeah, when you think about the Black Flag bars, like, they've become such a staple of, like, punk symbolism for better or for worse. Like, the amount of Black Flag, like, bootleg merch things. Yeah. Like, my Carly Rae Jepsen yeah. shirt and, like... That, that, that trend in the early 2010s... Yeah. That was just... It's almost overdone. Like, yeah. just everything with the black flag bars. Yeah. Yeah. I still do find it very funny, though. <laughs> but, like... Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think unwittingly, the Atari's sort of... That line is doing a lot more work than I think they meant it to. I think as well, though, like... Think of the, the most recognisable punk iconography. You have the black flag bars. You have the Misfits, Crimson Ghost... Mm. I guess you have the Ramones. Yeah, the, I guess, the Eagle Coat of Arms or whatever. Coat of Arms. You call it. And I guess maybe probably on par as well as the Dead Kennedys. Yeah, I was going to say that. So, like, you just say, I'm on out on the road again, out on the road today, I saw a black flag sticker on a Cadillac. Anyone who, like, knows, like, a modicum about punk gets yeah. it. Like, they yeah. Im- immediately see that imagery of a black flag sticker. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, it's it's the most easiest one to conjure up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, it... Yeah, it's a sort of perfect analogy. And, like... Yeah. It kind of, again... The existence of this cover and the imagery that it conjures up for the Ataris, like, it adds fuel to the argument that they sort of played at, like, an older Mm. generation than they meant to kind of thing. Mm. Um... But yeah, needless to say, like, I love this song so much. It's just because they, like, their contemporaries are the pop-punk bands, which yeah. it kind of confuses me. It's just like, I, I would, having listened to so long Astoria, like, I mean, 2003 was the same year that Blink's self-titled album came out. Shit, as it well. is too. It's yeah. like, I mean, you put those two together, it's like, I'd take the self-titled album... Yeah. Day of the week. But, oh my god, yeah. But like I would I would would have thought more like their contemporaries would be the bands from the nineties, so like your blinks, your green yeah. days. Um, I guess like your pennywises, your no effects, that sort of yeah. thing. But yeah, they've been lumped in with the with the pop punk bands mm. and it's 
yeah, it's not my it's not my type of pop punk. It's just yeah, it seems like it's it's punk for the you know the people who are now in college or yeah yeah a bit older like still going through it but they're in their early twenties now yeah. So, yeah yeah I don't know I sort of maybe I thought that I would sort of re- it would resonate more with me as I get older but it hasn't no I th- yeah they just they don't quite fit and I think it's just obviously they didn't catch me at the right time the right headspace like so aside from their cover of Boys of Summer which rules I just don't have much to say yeah even though we've managed to feel like however long to win this episode almost 50 minutes it'll be about 50 minutes once I put in songs nice and short yeah so hell yeah or yeah nah for Boys of Summer I would say in the right setting, in the right mood, in the right context, um, it would be a hell yeah for the original because it still has that '80s feel that I yeah that I can definitely get behind. Yeah, um, it's like if you wanted to just if you wanted to chill out, then this would be great. If you wanted to like pump yourself up a bit more, then the cover is what you would mm-hmm. listen to. You know, um, like a pop punk sommelier. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so so in saying that, I would give a hell yeah to both of these. Mm-hmm. What about I you? I agree. I would yeah. give a hell yeah to both. Cool. And I would also give a hell yeah to the DJ Sammy one, because that still is great. Cool. I'm going to listen to that now. <laughs> so. And I'm going to start on those shows. <laughs> yes. So next week, we will be looking at... So you'll notice that we said this last week <laughs> yeah because we're filthy liars <laughs> every every week from now on we're just in perpetuity yeah every, every week like at the end of each week it's like we're doing jumper by third eye blind yeah that's covered by bed life for blue eyes for pop pop for punk goes 90s but we won't do it next week no we're just horrible withholding people we're just teasing you but until next week uh... look back on the past if it's a good past, smile. If it's not, then don't look back on it. Um, but also look towards the future, as the Ataris seem to be unable to do. That'll do. Sure. Sure. <laughs>